You're listening to Wholesaling Inc., episode number 230. Start talking with people. And I used to say this a lot too. Like if you're not talking with people, you're probably not making money. Let me just say it that way, right? I remember back in the day when I was in graduate school, all I would do is write papers. And I would do a lot of research, but guess what? If I wasn't typing on the screen, I wasn't moving forward. So the same thing in real estate. If I see someone that's not on the freaking phone, Mm -hmm. they don't have the momentum. This is game-changing information guaranteed to raise your real estate wholesaling business with actionable steps you can take immediately to navigate the ins and outs of wholesaling and start making money today. Join us as we put our guests in the hot seat and dive deep to dissect their strategies for success to enable you to duplicate their results. Investor Grit presents Wholesaling Inc., the only show dedicated to making you a fortune in wholesaling with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. Welcome everybody to the Wholesaling Inc. podcast. Let's pause real quick and I just want to pause for a moment of gratitude because as of today, we are number two because of the amazing audience, because of you listening as you're driving in your car, as you're running around, as you're on the treadmill, as whatever you're doing to listen to this podcast, the Wholesaling Inc. podcast is number two on iTunes in the investment category, number two in the world. And that is because there, there's only one reason why. The reason why we're number one is because people listen to this podcast and they literally take action and make money. They provide value to the marketplace. That is the only reason why they are taking this podcast. This is not necessarily an entertainment podcast. This is an instruction podcast. This is something that you can listen to and really sink your teeth into and put and inject it right into the veins of your business like right now. So for everybody out there that has been taking massive action, you are incredible. You are beautiful. You are a weirdo. Who does wholesaling? Like who knows about wholesaling? It's so incredible. I love it. So I just want to give you so much gratitude. Usually I start off the podcast by giving up my kind of like tips and thoughts, but no, this one right here, we're going to just go like a flamethrower. This podcast is so incredible because I have with me a good friend of mine that is based out of uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, and he has, listen to this guys, listen to me, listen to this headline. He has done 45 months in his business, 45 months of over $100,000 in revenue 45 months. Now, not consecutively, right? But in his career, 45 months of doing 100,000, and we are going to deep dive it today. So it is my absolute pleasure to introduce Scott Orban. Scott, say hello. What up, Brent? Mr. (laughs) Go-Giver? So Scott and I were introduced because we are in an incredible, he he runs an incredible mastermind called the Multipliers Mastermind in Tulum, Mexico. Once a year brings together just unbelievable people from all different industries, all different perspectives, and it's just the best. And if you've never been to Tulum, I mean, Google it. It's worth it. So uh, Scott, let's go, man. Let's have a conversation. Let's start off with when you were just a baby in this, not a real baby, but a baby in business and with your little toddler legs, like how did you get started? How did you find wholesaling? Man, that's a great question. I kind of grew up in the construction world. So my family for sure, just blue collar 
and I ended up doing stuff with my hands. Man, I was in construction for the longest amount of times, and I freaking hated it 100%. Man, I knew I had a good brain on my shoulders. And when I first got started in real estate, my best friend and business partner, Chris, was a broker, and I had some construction skills. And so we decided to flip a property in 2009 out of all times, which is the shittiest market. And so we did that, and then I got a windfall of cash. You know, and I'm like, I had never seen a check over like a thousand bucks. And so I think I got like 13 grand and you're just like, oh man, I'm drinking this Mm Kool-Aid. So we started flipping like maniacs at that point. And so after a while we had scaled up house flipping and it was just, you know, whenever you have a three, $400,000 house, you're spending money. Cash isn't coming in that quick. And so I just got to a point where man, my bank account was at zero <laughs> and I needed cash coming in. And I have heard about, cause I was buying wholesale deals and I was like, screw it. I'm going to do this because I can contract something and then get some cash flow within the next 25 days, like 25 days because I can assign it. And that's what saved my flipping business. Cause I had like nine monster properties, no cash flow coming in. And I just started wholesaling at seven, eight, 10, 12 a pop. And man, it saved me at that time because I didn't want to wait till a big old $70,000 check came in. Sure. So man, that was, I got my fix at that point for sure. And then from there, did you just start, I mean, do you still do flipping? Are you just doing wholesaling? Do you do both? Yeah, man, I absolutely don't do flipping. Uh, (laughs) I didn't want to scale that. (laughs) Absolutely not. If I have to chase down another subcontractor, I'm going to kill him. Yeah. Uh, it got that lethal. And so, man, we decided to really, as actually Todd Toback, you know him very well. Todd and I became good friends about over six years ago. And he was wholesaling like mad and really struck up a great friendship with Todd. And so we said, hey, instead of us really scaling house flipping and building that, we decided to get smart on the marketing side. And so that's where we first started to to get the calls to come in. And as a business owner, here's your first secret. You got to make the the phone ring. That's your secret sauce. If you guys can get the phone ring, job number one completed. So we got the phone to ring with Todd's help. And we just started wholesaling. It was a conscious decision to actually end flipping. And I'm so flipping glad I did. Yep. You can get the phone ringing or... You can pick up the phone and talk True. to people, <laughs> right? Right. So this is this is the classic. This is classic. This is marketing and prospecting, right? Like it doesn't matter why. It doesn't matter what it is. So that goes into my first point. That and something that I've been really like focused on is if you boil down this business, you have to have quality conversations with distressed property owners. Right? Line. That's what you mean by having the phone ring, right? I don't care if it's marketing. I don't care if it's prospecting, aka cold calling, aka TTP, you know, whatever it is, whatever your strategy is, you have to have those conversations with distressed property owners. That is just a huge focus. Absolutely agreed. You know, when I first started, again, my personality is to scale something, just freaking go savage on something, right? Don't just pussyfoot in. And have a calculated risk. Do it for a month or two and test it. But freaking get the phone to ring. And then once you've got the leads, as you say, Brent, 
Start talking with people. And I used to say this a lot too. Like if you're not talking with people, you're probably not making money. Sure. Let me just say it that way, right? I remember back in the day when I was in graduate school, all I would do is write papers. And I would do a lot of research, but guess what? If I wasn't typing on the screen, I wasn't moving forward. So the same thing in real estate. If I see someone that's not on the freaking phone, mm-hmm. they don't have the momentum. So absolutely TTP, baby, all yeah. day. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So how do you – you're running a, a very interesting, and we'll get into it because his business structure is bananas, guys. You're going to love it for all those guys that love virtual. Uh, you're gonna, <laughs> This is like the, the master of it. But what are you doing right now for – to make your your phone ring. What's working for you? Walk walk me through your evolution. Yeah, absolutely. So I I think the first thing to realize is when you've got a good marketing piece, it's only as good for a season or a couple of years. Things change so fast. I think we've realized that over the last couple of years is that there's a lot of competition and you've really got to niche down on some real quality marketing pieces to make sure that you stand out. Now, again, I know a lot of people in the wholesale business, they're always anxious to hear, hey, what marketing are you doing, Mm -hmm. right? And hey, I I get it. It's good for a year or two, but guess what? Things change, right? Just saw a post on Facebook the other day is that, you know what? You know, instead of always be closing, you got to always be changing. So you've got to grow some arms and legs. And back in the day, I used to say, Brent, when there wasn't a lot of competition out there, was, hey, do two or three things very well. Go deep instead of wide. Mm -hmm. Now I've changed my philosophy on that and saying, you know what, you need to probably have four or five different lines in the water and make sure they're quality if you want to stay ahead. Interesting. But, you know, you got to stay ahead, man, and get that phone to ring. And then you've got a a whole other subject, right, is you got to filter those leads in through specific means of operations Mm-hmm. And we can get through that here in a little bit. So, Scott, this will blow people's mind. Just estimate. It doesn't have to be perfect. About how many pieces of mail have you sent in your career? Oh, my gosh. Um, Come on. I've probably sent like three or four million just for me. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe five. I don't know. Three it's to a- five million pieces of mail. Yeah, I have had some pretty epic you campaigns. Know, campaigns and so what is it a hundred thousand a month two hundred thousand a month uh i think my max was i was at one hundred and fifty thousand a month and again that's when there was a lot of competition you know you want to really force your hand at structure and have a systematized business blow something up Mm -hmm. you know and then figure it out afterwards but you know what you got to know that it works test something and that's what we did for a while now i i quit doing direct mail Hundred mm. uh, percent. The returns aren't there. That's a whole nother subject. Down afterwards, we can chat about. Yep. So, okay, you have all these people calling in. You've got distressed homeowners. You've got regular people. You got all these different. You know, the phones ringing. It's coming in. You've got a lot of action coming in. How do you pre-qualify who's going to be a deal, who's going to do business with you, and who's not? So we talk about on this podcast pre-qualifying based on the condition of the property, their timeline to sell the property or when they want their money, the motivation or what's their problem, and then what is the price that they want. Like where does your calls go to? Right. So you know, from an operations standpoint, yeah. because 
again, I'm structured a little bit different, right? I've got a staff of 15 people. And so it's a machine, right? You got to constantly feed the machine. And so just like Henry Ford, right? He's got an assembly line. I've kind of set my whole business up that way. Now, again, the first domino is marketing, right? You've got to get the phone to ring. Now, the first point of contact for us is in-house virtual assistants. And they're the ones screening those calls. They are the ones that are simply asking the simple questions. Hey, do you have a property and do you want to sell it? Right. Mm -hmm. They're screening that and make, and then they're making a judgment hot, warm or cold. Right. And then they're logging that into the system and assigning that to the appropriate acquisition manager for whoever's due that day. So is this somebody you pay hourly? Absolutely hourly. Is this yep. somebody that's in the country or out of the country? In the country. I'm a big in the country kind of guy. So I, I think a lot of people, when they hear the word VA, they think Philippines, right? They True. Think, they think India. They think, you know, all over the place. But VA, guys, you can find a ton of talent. And this is something that Scott has really implemented in his business is why restrict yourself to the talent in your town? Why not get the best talent around the country and run this thing like it's 2018 and organize it in a way that, you know, he prefers to organize it, which is basically, guys, by the way, he has no office. If you're watching this on YouTube, he's in his house. That's where he works from, okay? His people are all over the place, and his business partner is in – he lives in Tulum, Mexico. So, I mean, this is really a – it's an interesting – it's almost bizarre. It's exciting. It's like this new kind of model that I love that you're sharing it. So, this comes into how many virtual assistants do you have answering your phones? Right now, I have two. Two. Yeah, that take the incoming calls, right? Does it keep, I mean, is it a full-time job for them? Or is yes. it like one is morning, one is evening? Yeah, so uh, two full-time right now. And there might be a little bit of a shift difference there because it is. And let me say this too. VA people, right? They're not just, you know, there to just grind all day. You guys have to be consciously aware of their emotional capacity, Right. You know this, Brent, better than anybody. You can't just grind someone and expect them to be on the phone like eight hours a day. You got to break it up and you've got to make sure that they feel heard. You got to make sure that they receive the energy and they get the praise. So it's not just like, hey, there's just a lowly servant uh, VA. No way. They're the first point of contact. And you know what? We measure how many times they tee stuff up and they get bonuses for that. So we fold them into our culture. They're not just like periphery or just like, no, they're a huge vital part to the whole organization as a whole. Yeah, I think it's a huge mistake for people that think you set it and forget it with VAs. Agreed. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's a huge mistake. Okay, great. So they look at the deal, they have experience and they know this one's hot, warm and cold based on just their experience. I mean, do they have a checklist? Like if act like you're speaking to somebody that's never done a deal before and they get an incoming call from a marketing or they're talking to somebody cold on the phone right. from a cold call, like what do you do to be able to put those in different buckets? Gotcha. Yeah. Now, I think if you've got a new VA, right, and they're just starting in on this, you need things very structured and systematized, right? You need things spelled out so it's one, two, three, easy, simple, right? And so for our VAs, they're a little bit more on the sophisticated side. So they know 
they know the feel of it. They know the stories, things like that. But again, if you're new to this, right, and I know you preach this a lot, Brent, you've got to get in and you got to make sure that that seller is talking first. You got to make sure you hear the full story, right? And you've got to ask, ask questions and you got to hear something. And there's motivation in two ways that I look at it. It's either based off the price or the story, right? They might not know the price, but they're motivated by the story, right? And so there, it may be low, medium, or high on either one of those, on the price or the sto- or the pain or whatever that is. And so, again, we've been able to kind of make a system out of that, and they can see that where, like, hey, should I push in a little bit more? And if someone is on the fence, right? Like, hey, yeah, like there's uh, low motivation, but there's a great price, there's a certain pushback, yep. right? Yep. Now, if the price is like amazing, but they don't have any motivation to sell, then there's a certain pushback for that, right? Mm-hmm. And what happens if they're both medium, right? There's a, kind of the price is somewhat close to maybe warrant a visit, yep. and the motivation is somewhat kind of medium there. Well, you got to push back on that too. And so we've been able to kind of draw up some things where they can they know when to push back, and uh, press in. And the other thing I'll say too, Brent, is our VAs, man, they don't like to give cold leads out. Yep. They don't. Yep. I get they want to get 100% hot, and we will actually do a live transfer on the hot leads. Like, mm. boom, hey, I'm going to get you with Fred, my acquisition manager, and he knows he wants to hear you right then. Boom. Mm-hmm. And then also kind of send over those warm leads as well but they don't they're tired of kicking over crap over to the acquisition manager because an acquisition manager is great at a couple things that's it it's negotiating and closing that's it right that's it and that already means that they're talking to people yeah that's right baby that's right so they get so your acquisition managers now how many acquisition managers so we just moved up to our fourth acquisition manager right now awesome how is their pay structured right their pay structure is always based off profitability off the deal. And so recently, right now, we just hired a new sales consultant to come in and restructure our whole compensation plan. And there's two ways to actually pay someone out that really motivate someone, in my opinion. It's either the volume of deals, right? So you're pleased with the volume that they're closing at, mm-hmm. or two, the size of the deal, right? There's a difference between a $5,000 assignment fee and a $50,000 assignment fee, you right? You believe it, yep. So our previous structure was kind of um, structured around the size of the deal. And what we realized, we were limiting the volume of deals, right? So we went back over and said, hey, if you guys can contract more than nine deals, then you get 15%. Yeah. If you get more than 14 deals, then you get up to uh, 17. And then if you get more than that, then it goes all the way up to 20%. And so we kind of flip-flop. Now, I'm not saying one side's right or one side's wrong. Sure. For us, it's all about volume. And so yep. we want to put the carrot out there for the volume side. Yep. But again, what I've heard across the board, just so everyone understands, you know, I talk to a lot of people. If you can pay anywhere from about the range is obviously about 10 to 20 percent, depending how great they are. That's usually the payout. But again, if you're only closing a couple of deals and, and an acquisition manager is getting 10 percent, you better feed them because yep. they're worth it. Yep. Right. If I'm a great sales guy and I'm only, and you only got me a couple of leads and you're paying me 10 percent. I better be closing out at least 10 deals to make it worth my time. Or they leave you. So, 
or that's right. There's so much opportunity out there. Goodbye. Yeah. Keep yeah. Going. For the best. So let me ask you this. Where do your acquisition managers live? So we actually have one in Florida uh-huh. and actually the other three live here in the Dallas area. Okay. Got it. Do you so, meet yeah. them face to face? Yeah, I actually, we do, man. We're big on culture. We're actually virtual culture, but we're actually hanging again out this uh, Friday night. We just had a team outing for lunch. And so absolutely, man, I love hanging with them. They're great people. And a good rule of thumb is if you don't like the people you're working with, don't hire them. Yep. I love it. How do you find your talent? Oh, man, that's a great, that's a great <laughs> question. You know what? I'll be honest, man. It has been tougher this last year to find a quality acquisition manager, right? Mm-hmm. Now, our process is this. We don't hire off any type of resume. We don't hire because they have major sales experience. What we go off of is, hey, look, we want to see your assessment. We want to see how you truly are wired. Mm. Right? Like a personality assessment? Yeah. So we have a pretty uh, hardcore assessment that we have. uh, And you know, John Pike, who comes in and assesses motivators, values, and talent, right? Mm -hmm. And personality. And so we come in and we screen out 95% of the people because they're not in the top 5%, right? So, and here's the other thing that I've learned too, Brent. We hire off of assessment. They can come in here and tell us all those accolades. That's great. We go off the assessment, you know, someone could BS me, right? Mm-hmm. And then eventually, you know, it's our job to kind of make sure that there's chemistry, make sure that there's character and make sure that there's some basic competence, right? Yep. And so it's been getting harder to find good quality acquisition managers. And the one thing that I've learned too, I'll throw this in there. You don't want the top 1% salesperson, in my opinion. Okay. And the reason why is because they're pain in the ass. They're a drama queen. Sure. Right. Or her. Yeah. And I don't want someone throwing up a fit because they think they're the the best thing since sliced bread. Yeah. I don't want that ego to come in and disrupt because they know that they're the top 1%. Yep. No, I'd rather have an emotionally stable, solid in culture and chemistry because I don't want to have one person bring in and, and throw off everything. Got it. Because Andy. Yep. So I know the people listening heard you say the name John Pike, right? And we and, and he's a part of the multipliers. Is that a service that he provides around the country or is that just a special deal for you guys? No, 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 no. So I'll give you guys this as a resource, the talent genius. If anyone is curious, reach out to Brent or myself and I can get you and connected. And he does an assessment and that assessment is phenomenal. I would always say, hey, assess yourself first, get a clear understanding, and then you can bring him in and he can consult and make sure you bring the best hire. And what I realize is on this too, Brent, I know this is true for you. One bad hire will set you back three to four months. Oh, and probably three or 400 grand. (laughs) <laughs> Easy. And if you get the right hire, yeah. right, a right hire can at least get you a minimum of a hundred grand plus. And in certain organizations, it's two fifty or four fifty or seven hundred thousand. Yep. So here's what I would say. Here's the takeaway for people. Don't half ass your hiring. Love it. If you've never hired before, there's no reason to think that you're a badass at doing it. And my language is getting a little bit more hard. It's all and right. so here's the deal. Outsource it, bud. Yep. 
outsource it. Get someone who's been there, done that, has got 10, 15 years because you're not smart enough. You're, don't think that you're smart enough when you're not. Get the help. Pay the money. If an acquisition manager is at least guaranteeing you another 150000 plus, go spend 1000 bucks to go get a coach to help you hire the right person and then have you assemble that right position, right? Right seat, right person. It's worth the investment. You want to deal with the drama three months of crying because you made the wrong hire? Yep. No, do it right the first time. Yeah. So, How do you find those people? You Google for it? Right. Do you, do you search it? I mean, John Pike, right? I assume he has a, a website somewhere. Right. Yeah. John Pike, the talent genius. Yep. And so if you want him to come in and help you hire someone, he's got his set fee. I'm sure it's probably going to be at least minimum of two, three grand yep. minimum. Don't quote me on that. But again, obviously, most the best place right now to, to is to post online. And I don't really know the top five or six. And if someone wants to know, I have that list, Indeed, and Time to Hire, LinkedIn. and all of that. LinkedIn and Craigslist, all of that. Yep. Um, you know, you're posting out there. But here's the thing. When we have a post out there, we have everyone, that link for that assessment, they have to fill that assessment out. And then John says, okay, here's top five. Here's top five. And out of the 99 assessments we get, we're probably only looking at three or four. Awesome. And then once I get that assessment, get on the phone with that person, mm-hmm. right? Because people are flaky. you got to get on the phone. you got to put the carrot out there, establish a relationship, build some good energy, show off that position, show that you're a human being and that you're unique. And that's huge. Like before, we used to make sure people jump through two or three or four hoops. Right. Now people are so flaky and people get scooped up just like that. If you like the assessment, get on the phone immediately. Talk and to then them. go. Yeah. <laughs> man, geez, can you believe that? Start talking to people. Jeez. Oh man, I think we've dropped it like four or five times in the first Actually, 26 it's minutes. Like, <laughs> it's like a movie, right? right so, the, the, so, the title. Scott, so your your people get a lead, they've got all the info. Who does your valuations? Who makes sure that this is a deal or not a deal? Because when we're starting out, and and this is just for people that are starting out, the toughest thing is, is this a deal or not a deal? And then how big of a deal it is? Am I leaving money on the table? Am I thinking this is the deal of a lifetime? Who values your properties? Right. So there's a couple different uh, aspects of that. Number one, if they're highly motivated, I'm going out there Mm -hmm. for the most part. Again, they have to be at a nine or a 10. They might not know the number and they may be a little bit timid, but if they're highly motivated, I know someone can close them face to face. That's one of our rules. Second thing is, again, we're just using basic math, right? 70 cents on the dollar minus some repairs, right? And if they're close, we're going to go set an inspection, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, the acquisition managers, when they're on the phone with the seller and the numbers look within the ballpark range, we're setting an inspection. Why? Because, and there's a good rule here. Sometimes it's not the prettiest person. It's the first person who gets to the deal, right? Mm -hmm. So in today's world, everyone knows it's highly competitive. Get out there. Get the ball rolling, right? Yep. And so the last aspect of that, Brent, is I have a full-time comp runner. Yeah. That's all she does, man. She runs comps and she throws out, hey, this is a great price to pick this property up. Here's a good price. Here's the walk away. And 
the acquisition manager has got a little bit of play on that walk away because we don't want them to get stifled. Yep. But the comp runner is sending that, and she that's her zone. She knows the number. She knows the repairs. She knows what it might sell for. Yep. So she's feeding that information to the acquisition manager. Got it. And that person's also virtual? She's virtual, right. Okay. And then your inspector, you have like an actual like person that goes out maybe per, yep. per trip you pay him? Uh, so he's on salary now. Salary. So, awesome. Yeah. So full time. Um, love him because he serves as an inspector. He also serves as a runner and pickup artist, you know, <laughs> dropping off paperwork. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's really great. He, he's so solid. Awesome. So, so you get the deal. Your people lock them up. You got your superstar sales team. You got the right value. You've got the phones ringing. You got everything coming in. That's great, but we all know you're not getting any money wired into your account until you either take this property down and wholesale it or wholesale it, baby, like literally assign this contract. So that all comes down to that beautiful, beautiful, robust, healthy cash buyer database, right, baby, (laughs) right? That's what it comes down to, right? So how big is your cash buyer database if you were to... Uh, I think we're close to 25,000, maybe more. And how did you build it? Right. Now, here's the secret sauce. I'm going to put something juicy out there. You ready? All right. So, without a doubt, the biggest leverage point in your business is going to be your buyer's list. Yep. Let that soak in for a minute. Right. Where else can you push a button and you're starting to get offers? Mm-hmm. Right. Again. Now, I preface it this way. Again, in changing times, right, I've been writing my big old buyer's list for five plus years, right? And so it is growing a little bit stale. Everything grows some mold, bro. Sure. But outside of that, for all your all your listeners in smaller towns or B towns or A towns, whatever, you got to start building it. Cumulative growth each day, one thing at a time, Right. And so here's what I'd say. You still kill trade to get to increase your buyer's list, right? Because it's huge. You're digging the well before you need the water. And so you never know when you add a name that that buyer's the guy that's paying $7,000 more. Mm -hmm. So now we get into the practicals on building this freaking list, okay? Get your list up to a couple grand of people. I mean, hijacking. Start finding agents that have done cash transactions, Put out bandit signs, go look on Facebook, go steal, do whatever it is, go get that list. Get on websites, get on Zillow, start capturing, start doing capturing deal, put it on Craigslist. If you have to start off organically, what I would say is get up to a thousand, get up to two thousand right there. Now, here's the biggest freaking swing on the fence. If you gotta go buy a list, go buy it. Who go find them? the competitor. Hey, this is where you go out and you make the big ask, right? And this is, again, you're making a big ask to sellers. You're making big ask to other wholesalers. If you're not making big ask in your career, then you're swinging for singles, okay? Go find those other 12 other wholesalers who are established. Go find those other 12 newbie wholesalers. And here's the key. You ready? Trade. (laughs) Absolutely. You got 5,000 and he's got 5,000. Don't worry about the semantics. You just almost doubled your list. There's going to be some overlap. Where else can you double your list? Right. Okay. Now, this is my little platform to gripe a little bit. For the people who don't want to trade, okay, 
you're a little selfish. <laughs> you're a little selfish weenie. Okay. Where else can you double? Okay. You yep. want to want to be insulary? That's cool. You think it's you have the market cornered? False. Okay. Yep. Trade. Your guys are both in the same business together, right? Yeah. Make sure someone is also cool. You're right. You're not, they're not just an idiot you're trading with, right? It's a small community. Yep. And trade. Yeah. Right. It's all about whoever can get the deal, right? First. Well, and I love, you know, it's really interesting when you have people that are really guarded with their cash buyer database because they assume that, like, they're married to these cash buyers. Listen, those cash buyers are not married to you, they are no. dating everybody <laughs> in town. Okay, they're putting Craigslist ads and going on dates. They're on every, they're on Tinder, they're on Plenty of Fish, they're on Match.com. They are dating around. So don't think that your buyers are the only there. You only have them on their list. They're everywhere, okay? Like, I love this, love this, love this. It's been a huge influence in our business. We took our business just from what Scott told me, told, told that right there. We took action on this over a year ago and went from an assignment fee of 14,000 to tw over 23,000. The only reason why is because of the size of the buyer database. It is. Different buyers have different strategies for different properties. Somebody that's a buy and hold is gonna be, pay a lot more for them. Somebody that wants to live in the property, like an owner occupied that scraped up all the cash and just wants to fix it up themselves, it's gonna pay way more than the fix and flipper that's been doing it for 25 years and needs to make 15% margin on every deal, right? So wow. it is that is just absolutely beautiful. Now, you mentioned something to me that we implemented as well in our business, and it is called healthy tension with your buyer database, right? right. That, that tension that that helps them to move faster and say yes to the deal faster, right? Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely, yeah. Healthy tension is a great, a great rule uh, when it comes to negotiating. I mean, that's really what negotiating is, is tension, right? You've got something and someone has something they want and you have something to give. And so the biggest thing you can do negotiating is, is agree too fast. So it comes down to a timing aspect. So when you're trying to buy, right, there's none of that, okay? When you're trying to sell, first in loses, okay? You're shooting yourself in the foot if you're agreeing on stuff too fast. And so you've got to set up systems. you got to set up your psychology so that it isn't a rushed process. You're dating, okay? You're not just jumping in saying, okay, let's go. So the way this works out for us, and again, this is philosophically, this is how it works out for us. And last year, I mean, it made us another $300,000 easy okay. is the fact that I'm not going to take the first offer. I'm just not. Now, I want to speak to the newbies here and even the amateurs or the experience. We all know this, that if you take that first offer and you say, okay, it's first come, first serve, then fine. That's great. That's your system, okay? But where do you create the tension? Where do you create the competition, right? So I have a huge list. And I, if I have 18 people that I want to go look at a property, I'm going to put them all in there at once. Now, are they going to be happy about it? No. But here's the deal. The question is, who wants it the most, right? Prices is what someone's willing to pay. Not what you're willing to offer. I'll say that again. Price is what someone's willing to pay, yep. not, uh, not what you're offering, right? So if you offer, hey, this, I want 50K for this property, and that investor 
one of the 18 goes out there and he's like, man, my grandma lives next door and I want to live next to grandma. I'll offer you 65. Go for it. <laughs> that, you why not? Yeah. The opportunity, yep. You know? So here's what I'm saying is that you have to create opportunities for people so they can compete for that property. Got it. Right. Got it. Either by, by price. Okay. Or by buyer's list or the way you negotiate with time. Hey, look, I've got an offer today. Another one's coming in tomorrow. I'm going to push it out a little bit more. But here's the deal. Stretch it. Create healthy tension because you're going to see a lot of the motivation and desire if you can maintain that tension and not agree to something quickly. Yep. I love it. Let's let's put a bow on this thing. Let's wrap this up with something that you are just like really deep into, which is the psychology, you mentioned it before, and the mindset of this business, of owning wholesale business, of being an entrepreneur, of being successful. Like, give me your best three minutes, (laughs) your best three minutes on what somebody starting out here needs to do or somebody that's been doing it for a while, anybody. Let's just talk about anybody. I don't know why we're categorizing. Anybody. Just give us your best three minutes of what you think mindset-wise for this business that you need to be successful. Right. You know, I uh, I would have waxed eloquent, and I listened to a phenomenal nine-minute podcast from Dan Sullivan on uh, Multiplier's Mindset, and he's strategic coach. He's one of the best coaches out there, hands down, for entrepreneurs. And he said there's four C's. Number one, you got to be committed. Number one, that's it. You got to be committed, right? You might not have the competence. You got to be committed. You got to start with commitment, right? I'm talking like, you know what? Screw this. I want to freaking get this done. You know, I got nothing. I'm throwing it all out there. I want this. I'm getting gritty. Mentally, I'm tough. I'm no matter how hard it gets. I freaking want this. That's number one. Number two is courage. After that commitment, something's going to be tested on the courage side. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have opportunities and that's not courage. The courage is when you seize an opportunity. And when you have fear, guess what? Fear doesn't go away. It's just your courage cuts through that fear. Mm -hmm. So when you're like, man, I don't know if I can go do this big deal. I've never done this before, man. That's where you need to have a strong conversation with yourself. Say, dude, this is where I need a man up or a woman up. And this is courage. It's hard, but so what? I'm cutting through it. Yep. Three, competence. It's going to test your competence level. Okay. And guess what? Skills can grow. Skills can grow. Don't start questioning your competence. Stick with the commitment first and the courage. Then... It's all about your competence. You may not have it. You may have it. But those can grow. That's the third point. And the fourth one is watch your confidence grow afterwards. Okay? Confidence grows after those three. Mm-hmm. Commitment, courage, competence, confidence. So it's in that order, peeps. That's all I'm going to say. It's in that freaking order. Order. When there's days where I'm shaking, you know what? I have to usually resolve to say, you know what? I'm committed. Or you know what? This is where I have to face something. It's hard as hell. Mm-hmm. Fear is never leaving. 
and I got cut through it. And then I learned something about my confidence skill and said, you know what? I need to sharpen that. And my confidence grows. And you know what? When you've got confidence, it's contagious, right? Your team feeds off of it. Your wife feeds off of it. Freaking you feed off of it, right? Get in that zone. For me, that progression Brent was huge. There's days where I'm off my game. I'm sure there's days where you're off your game. Mm-hmm. I, it was just a basic system, right? A filter for me to say, you know what? I got to go back and up my commitment level on God, this. God, I love it, that. Yeah. I encourage on this. Or you know what? My competence, you know, I need some help on that skill because I was wavering. Sharpen that competence skill on me. And my confidence begins to boost after a little bit. So that's my three minutes, Bill. Shut up. I am literally going to put those four C's on this wall, man. I love that. That was brilliant. I absolutely love it. And it's in the commitment part, just going after it and just doing it and taking that action. I mean, that's why we're called the rhino tribe here, right? Because it's just like a rhinoceros. Just sees something and goes, right? Like that is so connected with the values that we hold so strongly here on this podcast and in this company. So I absolutely love it, man. You are the man. I love it. Tell me, what is the best way for people to kind of reach out and just like give you some love or give you some attention or or maybe just whatever? Facebook me, man. Yep. You know, my name will be on there. Just Facebook me. And anyone who reaches out, I'll say hello. Um, you know, I learned from Brent and Brent and I have these competitions about giving. When we get on the phone, man, it's like an hour and a half call. So, uh, again, and I will say this, and I know, Brent, you would say this too. I wouldn't be here if someone didn't give to me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know there's a lot of people like, hey, I want to charge. You know what? Hey, reach out if you need something. I'm open. And uh, anything, anyone's got any questions, I'm open. And I will tell you just from personal experience, guys, your goal, you should put this up there. Your goal someday, like maybe it's this year, maybe it's not for 10 years, but should be to get invited into the Multipliers Mastermind because it is bananas and it is just filled with absolute just superstars. So that should be a goal. Check it out. You can check out their website at multipliersmastermind.com, but it's an invite only, so I won't get too much on into it. But guys, just amazing stuff. It's been over 40, it's 45 minutes on this podcast of just amazing value. Listen to it again. Thank you for hanging in there. Thank you. I have so much gratitude for your continued attention to this podcast for your continued taking action. That's what the whole point of this thing is. There's no value in this unless you take action, which is phenomenal. Um, If you're looking to join the most proactive real estate program in the country, go to wholesalinginc.com forward slash TTP. That is my personal um, uh, cold calling coaching program if you're one of those proactive maniacs out there. And also, if you want to see this, if you're just listening to this audio, you can go to my Brent Daniels Real Estate Coach on YouTube and actually watch this. It's worth the watch for sure. Put it up on the big screen, baby. So Scott, thank you for lending us some of your time and really dropping just an incredible amount of value. I love you, brother. And I encourage everybody out there to talk to people. Till next time. See ya. That's all for this episode. Your next step to success is to continue the conversation over at InvestorGrit.com by joining the mailing list as well as get your chance to book a strategy session to learn the systems and become part of the tribe with your hosts, Tom Kroll and Cody Hoffheim. We'll see you next episode with more ways to make you a fortune in wholesaling.